morning. Happy Sunday morning. We're uh, today uh, is the 23rd of July. Peasant chat. That's right. We're talking to the poor people that normally couldn't afford to pay anything to have their questions um, stick out. But donations apparently not a thing anymore. Uh, subscriptions are. So if you're a subscriber or a member, members. Uh, if you're a member, uh, thank you very much. Uh, the peasant chat just named stuck, but a uh, matter of fact, nobody pays for questions to be to stand out anymore. So today, what I want to talk about is the GT500 engine install recap. I I put up a video yesterday. I was surprised that on a Friday, I actually got some good traction on that video. I was actually genuinely surprised because typically on Friday, it just goes into the void, and a lot of people on Friday afternoon are not looking to check out. YouTube videos, but I was very uh, pleasantly surprised that a lot of you liked that video. You liked the fact that I showed me installing the engine by myself in the GT500. Then I hooked up the T56. A lot of you guys complimented me on that mostly. You're like, wow, you're able to lift the T56? And I'm like, yeah, I work out. I mean, I'm not saying it's not uh, hard. I'm just saying like, if you can lift 250 plus pounds anyway, you should be able to do it on the ground. Uh, that's why I think working out is extremely uh, important whether you're you looking to be fit or not I think strength is something that can be used in everyday life and that's one of the great examples of being able to just hulk around a motor and a transmission I think um, lifting weights is good for many reasons as opposed to just looking decent so we'll talk about that if you guys want to recap on that stuff um, I just yesterday got the pedals installed I don't know if I'm going to make a separate video on the pedal installation. The pedal installation video is a lot of minutia, but it's a lot of stuff that I've never seen covered before, like the reservoir, like the bolts, uh, the neutral safety switch, and the brake pedal switch. So that's something I might put out there because nobody else is putting that out there. And I'm also noticing that with ZR1 stuff, nobody puts stuff out there. A lot of people put general stuff about their builds, but when typically when ZR1 guys build their cars, they go all the way. They go cam, uh, heads, um, E85, immediately. You never see the guy with petroleum-based fuel go as far as he can go before he goes E85, before he goes that. So I might you know, really concentrate on that stuff because nobody else is doing it. We're also going to talk about the Boosted Boys going 883 in their gutted, gutted, I mean, literally exoskeleton Tesla Plaid. They basically mimicked what um, Garrett did with his Corvette where he basically just... Tin canned it to the extreme, made an exoskeleton, and made a basically cart out of it. And the Tesla went not only quicker, 0 to 60, uh, 60 foot and 60 miles an hour. It went quicker to the uh, quarter because it's 60 footed so well. But the mile an hour was down a decent amount. And I don't think it has to do with arrow. I think it has to do with the fact that when something front halves so amazing, mile an hour is always down. So we'll talk about that. And also we're going to potentially talk about calvo motorsports i guess had a turbo failure on the dyno and i think 14 months ago had a piece of metal stuck in his body somewhere and he is out there giving precision smoke did a lot of you guys think precision turbos are like super high quality turbos because maybe they do a really good job of campaigning for you know, like giving social media guys turbos to give away or free turbos. But at no point did I ever think Precisions are Billy Badass turbos. I always thought it's 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 the Chevy 350 of turbos. It's the most, um, let's say, versatile, the more available ones. I never thought, oh, my God, quality. But again, I'm not a turbo guy. I'm a supercharger guy, 100%. But everyone that was like mad that Calva went after Precision, 
Um, look, he has the right to go after precision, but but again, this is race car stuff. The moment you start pushing stuff that makes 2,000 plus horsepower, I mean, anything can let go at any time. There are no warranties. Uh, but again, I'm not the one with a chunk of metal stuck in my body, so I could 100% understand his frustration. But as always, let's have Mr. Bill O'Reilly say hello to the people. Yeah. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Right. Fucking thing sucks! That's right! Alright, let's get after it. We got two Auto Solution. Rami's on Auto Solution. One of my uh, followers and subscribers went to two Auto Solutions and watched three back-to-back -back pools on the dyno. Rami was welcoming and nice. Guillermo had a good time in Puerto Rico. Thank you, two Auto Solutions, for being like a legit welcoming job race motive they got some racing going on roll racing stuff pocono raceway and sometimes at mir check them out dean have performance dean have performance.com he posted a video yesterday of some notchback doing a big wheelie and i'm like dude i don't know what's going on with that thing. big wheelie on the street badass shit parts farm parts farm.com parts farm and set me a pedal assembly for my manual 14 in two days i said i need a pedal assembly Bam, two days. And then I said, I need a clutch reservoir for a manual. Bam, two days later. The weird, most obscure parts that you might not think are available, the parts farm has them. Kong Performance, KongPerformance.com, Great KSA and Kong Performance, LS, LT, you name it. Kong Performance, Ultimate Header, UltimateHeader.com, Ultimate Header on Instagram, PMAS, Nick James and PMAS and Calamer. Transmission, CalamerTransmission.com, Calamer Transmission on Instagram. Got 2024 transmissions ready to go. Let's hope he makes 11 to 14 gear ratio because that is the most favorable. 2000 MCR, Cody Kelly, DRock Fox are the first three to say hello. I'm Hunk Solo, Darren Harper, 5-Weight Josh, TJ Skorsky, Joe Swish, Nuxo, Monty540, Donkey Mac, Chris Anderson, Travis, uh, JD Swag, Johnny Trans, Rocco Zioli, uh, Arturo Hermosillo, Shea Gorgensen, Gregory Uppage, Agent Orange, D-Rock Fox, Coyote, Kelly, Torque Means, Agent Orange, 94GT, Vert, Sam Morales, Donkey, Mac, JD Swag again, Jared Wells, Cow, Net Jew, Nitrous and Bias Plies, De Django, RPG GT, Thunder Biscuit, SK Jeff, one of the mods, says, good morning, everyone, let's fucking go, Beta 5-0, Ivan D, Caleb Lambert, Nardi Mercado, Lex Luther, Rudd Driving the Trucks, Mohammed, Gray Mustang, Tito Judge, Mango, Matt A, Boost Willis, Matt Class, Steven West, D-Rock Fox again, Michael Locks, APOC, Peter Chow, Matt Class again, Begale, The Ray, Coyote Austin. Finally got a good race in against the bike. Generally don't care about bikes, but it made me feel good. I think it was a, G a Gixer 750 Eminem Craig Walls and Scarlet Stang says good morning. Alex, also shout out to C Nardi. Finally got anti-lag uh, multi-tune on his twin turbo Hellion Gen 3. And he is loving life. That car should race the ESS uh, Mustang again with anti-lag. Watch the difference because we saw that the ESS car was making more power at 15 PSI because it stopped the pull. But the fact that the turbo car that makes more torque got out and stayed out, that's different. I guarantee if Cenardi was to race the ESS car again on the hit, he'd be out three cars and it, it'll look like a speck in the camera with the ESS car. But again, the ESS car just needs to pull you down, Papa. You pull you down, I think you're going to be able to hang in there. Why do I say that? Because Valley 10 speed was beating everything and he was in the mid mid fours 60 to 130 with a cammed again that's right uh 433 430 comp cams e85 g4 with i think a 95 millimeter pulley 
It had G4 intercooler, E85 cams, ID1700s, stock transmission. That thing was a roll monster. Good shit. Okay, let's get after it real quick and and uh, let let let's get to the to the audience uh, questions. But let's see Twitter. So last week I posted that on Twitter, uh, Occupy Mars, which is a Tesla nut hugging uh, Twitter account. Said a YouTube channel by the name of Boosted Boys completely stripped the Tesla Model S Plaid to see if it would increase performance by weight shedding. By weight shedding. The result, the car did a 24360-60, which was slower than before it was. This goes to show you how important every part to the Plaid is to create a 0-60 time from the factory. And I laughed for about an hour. Because this is the stupidest post ever. This person does not understand cars, does not understand anything. Most Tesla owners don't like driving. They don't understand cars. So they're going to go out there and say the dumbest shit thinking that Elon Musk designed body panels specifically for 0 to 60 miles an hour, you stupid. So I ta- I said that everyone said arrow, da-da-da-da-da. But luckily, the Boosted Boys did me a solid. They stripped even more weight out of this car. Shout out to them for doing that. They stripped even more weight out of this car. Less arrow. Took the wing off. Light, light, light. So the Tesla, the, 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 the Occupy Mars... Twitter should say, well, it, it shouldn't go quicker 0 to 60 because it's missing even more panels, right? Well, guess how quick this thing went 0 to 60. I'm not going to give it up. I'm going to get to the end here where he backed up his time. I think James was there. James Ta- uh, 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 was there giving them advice as to what to do and how to run the car. He said, do a little dry hop before you take off because we think that the dry hop is definitely going to benefit it because, you know, it's going to have a little more glue on the tires. Look at this thing launch, guys. This thing is a gutted, gutted, gutted Tesla Plaid Boosted Boys channel. Don't don't copyright me. Just giving you a little shout-out. So, again, he did a dry hop. James said, do a dry hop. Come on, let's see that eight. I can pause it here. Zero to 60 miles an hour. 1.87. Zero to 60 feet. 1.41. Right there, the whole Mars catalog, Occupy Mars, whatever the hell, Twitter account, debunked because this thing now has grip. If there is grip to 60 miles an hour or to the 60 feet, it will always improve if the car is lighter. Arrow matters zero, and every engineer and every idiot said it's arrow, arrow, arrow. Let's see the rest of the run. Eight eighty-five, one fifty-two. That is fast, fast. And when you see the outside view, it's just that much better. Let's uh, fast forward because we don't care that too much talking. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Is a 60 oh, that was way better. Much better. Let's see. Eight, 890. Come on. Then they backed it up. They ended up. I've always thought that BMP's timers are off by a lot. I remember the Grey Goose went down there. It laid a 70 and it said 189 or 190. I said, no way. Not even close, brother. It's like 198. So I was blown away that that BMP's timing system is, is this far off. So they went out there and backed it up. 
and uh, ran, I think, uh, a 1.37.60 foot. Oh, dry hop situation, very good. Two or 8.83. Too much talking. So that's fast. Boring, but fast. Absolutely fast. So good for them. Um, they basically did me a solid by proving me right up against all those engineers. I mean, the engineers. There was a guy that literally said engineer here and he put up the equation for drag to, to some drag coefficient and i'm like brother none of that matters to 60 miles an hour you could have a brick with all the grip on the planet go 60 miles an hour then take take weight out of that brick if it has grip it will always always 60 foot better if it has grip if it's lighter and these engineers so don't let anybody with an engineering degree try to tell you that because they're an engineer or have an engineering degree or they're a fucking rocket scientist and you have more experience in racing than they do i mean i have way more experience than any engineer that does, has never raced if you're if you're a theorist I saw Oppenheimer the other day. Great movie. Uh, okay. First hour and a half, terrible. Terrible. Hour and a half, terrible. Uh, politics, politics, politics. The second hour and a half, it's pretty amazing. Such a three-hour movie. So if you like Oppenheimer and you thought you are going to see a bomb in the first hour and a half, you're not going to see shit again. You're not going to see shit except a guy cheating on his wife and girlfriend nonstop and politics and communist party bullshit. That's all you're going to see. The last hour and a half is bomb stuff. So you could absolutely go to sleep at Oppenheimer, wake up at an hour and a half, and you won't miss a goddamn thing. So love it. So Sorry, but an hour and a half in, nothing happens in my opinion. The Ariel Adam, very good. Mango Bryant. Mango brain, sorry. So this engineer was like, oh, drag coefficient. And I'm like, at zero miles per hour, there is zero aerodynamic force on the car. If there is no wind and to 60 miles an hour, it is negligible. And I was proven right yet again versus stupid engineers and people theorists. And the reason I brought up Oppenheimer was because Oppenheimer didn't know what the hell was going to happen. He was a theorist. He thought he was going to set the set the whole atmosphere on fire until the bomb actually went off. And when the bomb actually went off, they went, oh, that's what happens. So unless you put your theories into application, racing, and you can't talk about racing unless you race. So I was uh, very excited to see the Boosted Boys basically prove our theories, prove their theories. All of their efforts were not in vain. Congratulations to them. That was a very, very good thing to see. So also, what was I going to talk about? Oh, the, um, so Calvo. Let's talk about Calvo real quick. Uh, so we'll go to Instagram. Go to the Calvo uh, Motorsports page. I guess they're going to have a um a podcast they're gonna supposedly do podcasting and i guess something happened at calvo that uh caused an injury to uh the gentleman uh, again i don't know this guy from a hole in the wall he, he, i'm just talking about what happens in the motorsports industry so calvo motorsports uh 20 hours ago uh, posted on my first episode, which, which again, he's going to have a podcast. So he's got on his first episode where we already gearing up for the tea time with Calvo precision turbo and engine failure and how it almost killed me and have strung me along for a year to pay medical bills. Take 14, take the 14,000 and shove it, shove it. 
You're about to lose a lot more than your Chinese product. It's time to shops take the power back from these shitty companies and their shitty Chinese parts. I have to live with metal in my bone for the rest of my life, and it's been almost a year with nothing but bullshit. Imagine if this hit me in the face, head, or eyes. Uh, burst containment testing, I think never done. If you have some subpar customer service or product you have been dealing with at your shop, message me, and we'll get you on the podcast. Nobody's going to do that. I love you. I love you, Mr. Calvo. Nobody's willing to talk that shit. Nobody, because everyone wants to keep their sponsorships. I know people that have literally blown up engines and have stayed quiet to not lose that sponsorship. I've heard of people literally blowing up, up stuff that was very expensive. To this day, I know a shop that has blown up motors and so they don't go public with ragging out this motor company that is very well known. They would rather just take their money somewhere else and be done with it. People do not want to air out dirty laundry. Please share these posts to bring awareness to the products in the industry. So basically, he got cut a, a precision turbo, I think, or something, let go, and took out a chunk. And there's a, oh, is that his arm? Look at, oh, geez, that could have been close to some bad stuff, dude, man. Um, so yeah, he's uh, going to talk about that on his podcast. And I'm going to be listening, Mr. Calvo. I'll, I'll be listening. I'll be seeing what you got to say because I'm interested. You're a, a known person in that in that space, in that high-end uh viper space uh so i'd like to hear what he's got to say again no judgment just want to hear what he's got to say if he's got actual information fact-based stuff that's great if i if if there are certain shops that are willing to speak up against motor manufacturers parts manufacturers suspension manufacturers i'll give you an example a lot of you guys say that i make fun of a bmr bmr sucks bmr sucks okay so a lot of you guys like, I don't get it. I have the whole BMR catalog, Alex. I don't know what the big deal is. Uh, you know, you're just a fucking hater, da 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 Well, look at this. I got an email from a gentleman called Modified by Nick. And he says, good morning, Alex. You've been, okay, let me show you that. And again, this was uh, last night, unprovoked, unannounced. He just said, man, you know, maybe you got a point. He says, good morning, Alex. I know you've been consistent calling out BMR junk for a while. And I had some other parts on my car for a few years, 2012 NA at the time, six or 80 car. When I first heard you say that, I was like, he's probably full of shit. Suspension is suspension. Wrong. I was going through my rear end and noticed the BMR pan had bar and had deformed severely as pictured. I think the picture speaks for itself. Feel free to use this on the channel if you'd like. There you go. I mean, you guys, you guys probably hear me say stuff and go, oh my God, Alex, you're full of shit. Oh my God, Alex, why are you just rag da 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 And I'm like, bro, I'm sorry. I, I, I ran the stuff and it's, it's severely subpar. It doesn't have enough bushing material to thin the, the UPR and every other component has a bigger, you know, uh, bushing back there because it matters. But a lot of people for saving weight or for looks or whatever, make something on the subpar end of things. And then you guys, you know, suck that dick because they gave it to you at a discount. And so... You know, parts like that, people like, okay, because I'm one of the few people that is willing to talk shit on companies and name them because I am not quote unquote sponsored by specific car companies that tell me keep quiet. Again, I do vetting. If the, if the, if the parts are subpar and I don't think they're, they're going to be worthy of um, some kind of uh, representation on this channel, I simply just don't mention them, okay? Certain manufacturers want to work with me, then I work with their parts, and I go, ah, this isn't something I want to support. Then they get mad at me. They go, well, we sponsored 15 other people. Yeah, those 15 other people are ball washers, and they like free parts, so they'll actually make their channel a, um, a vessel for bullshit just to get free parts. I'm just not that guy. I'm literally not that guy. That movie is pretty cool for the viewer. That means the full story of the bomb. I don't recommend it if you want to see the bomb stuff. Correct. Martin Robles. If you want to see the complete history of Oppenheimer, his personal life, his um, uh, political affiliations, 
do not even bother watching the first hour and a half. If you just want to see bomb-specific stuff, not saying explosions, I'm saying theory, uh, fuel, um, information gathering, uh, government uh, information gathering, and crazy politics, yeah, the last hour and a half were better. I think with all the panels removed, there's more flow of air through the open panels. See, the thing is, J.D. Swag, the engineers, and people will do this. They'll gaslight you. They'll say, I'm an engineer. What are you? And then let's say you work at a, a shoe factory, and you're like, well, I build shoes. So they're like, oh, and you have no position to talk about aero. Yeah, but I've raced since I was 15 years old, and I know what I see and do, and I know that if a fox body with the same exact panels in it, 60 foot or 0 to 60 miles an hour at the track, uh, you know, 2-0, and then I remove 500 pounds from it, and I have grip, it's going to go quicker regardless of the arrow. But the people that have never raced think as arrow as like the ultimate end-all be-all. Arrow is drag. So people were going to say, well, well, drag will cause downforce. It will at speed, not at, not at zero, not at 10, not at 15. And then they'll say, what do you mean? You're saying no downforce is achieved at 15 miles an hour? I'll say, yeah, there is, but negligible to 60 miles an hour. Absolutely negligible. But people don't want to hear that shit. People like the 60 foot time in a heavily arrowed car is not going to be affected that much as if it had no arrow. Probably negligible. Once it gets going up to speed, sure. But engineers and rocket scientists don't want to hear that shit because math doesn't lie. But math doesn't take into account actual real world testing. If you have not done that testing that you're claiming to be an expert on, I can't, I can't take you seriously. I don't care how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter to me if you have not done it. I don't care. Same thing with tuners. I'm not going to lie to you. Most tuners that have never opened a engine and done any physical work, I take you a little less seriously. I'm not saying you're not talented, but I take you a little less seriously if you don't even understand how these components work. Any tuner that claims to be an expert tuning anything should be able to take a carburetor and make it work just fine. If they immediately just go, that's bullshit. Okay, then you don't understand engines because it's the same theory. You just have to apply it mechanically and do some thinking as to what it's doing as opposed to numbers on a computer. Uh, but it's right, Alex. Hit them with the nitrous clip. Exactly. Every single person that says, oh, well, you know, you don't know nothing about, you don't know nothing about car parts. You just, you just have to talk and all that shit. I'm like, okay, cool. I am sick of y'all shit. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> By the way, that guy is selling Be Nice banners and Nitrous Outlet reached out to me. I was very, not, I, look, there was a, um, a media guy hit me up on the Alex Flores page. He goes, I love what you did. I'd love to help y'all. I said, I don't want nothing for free. I don't want shit. If you want to give me a slight discount on something when I'm ready to buy, cool. But right now, I don't want a goddamn thing. He's like, yeah, no, we, we don't give anything away. I said, cool. So we'll talk when I'm ready, but I'm not ready because the notch needs a clutch or a throw-out bearing. So might as well just do the clutch at the same time. B-Turf Battery Relocation Kids gave me Down Syndrome. Professional race car theorist Alex Wright. Because in that movie Oppenheimer, he says we're all theorists. Nobody knows what's going to happen until you actually do it. And then the people start scratching their heads. So imagine you have gone to school for 12 plus, actually 20 years, okay? You are a, uh, let's just say, a leading voice in aerodynamics. You have never raced in your life. 
And some dumb Puerto Rican on Twitter says, Arrow doesn't matter, zero to 60. And they go, oh my God, what a dumbass. See, the problem is he's being literal. At one mile an hour, there is some effect, but it is negligible. And unless you can prove it by app, by application, then I don't care what your books and math problems say. People say math is math. Understood. But when that is theoretical, but when it is observed, it is completely different. In that movie, Oppenheimer had trouble imagining what would happen when a star collapsed in on itself. Like, it just had a ton of trouble. Didn't even understand it. And only later on, people were, were understanding about black holes and, and how, how black hole is formed, blah, blah, blah. But again, theory, theory, theory. Mathematical genius. Unless you see it happening and observe it, you don't know what's going to happen. Good stuff. I, mean, I, I love that shit. I love, I love the people that talk all this stuff about racing and have never raced like Turvey. Right? Turvey is a great example. He's never raced. He's never applied any of his theories to anything. Yet he speaks as he's an authority on racing. Has never ran quicker than 10 seconds in the quarter mile. Has never built the car ground up and finished it. Because if he calls that shit finished, bro, I guess I've finished 50 cars in my life. So again, theorists versus someone that does it. Two different things. Did engineers ever give you a hard time when you were a millwright? Yes, all the time. Again, guys, engineers build uh, wastewater plants. They build um, engine layouts. They build, and then try to grab the bolt on a starter on like a a Cobra, the top bolt. Tell me how that that was an engineering. That is a replaceable part. That is a part that is to be replaced. You're telling me you need 17 extensions from the front and take out maybe the engine, the motor mount on the passenger side to be able to reach the freaking starter bolt on like a Cobra or a Coyote Mustang. Luckily, 10 millimeter and, you know, when you get good at it, when you get really good and you've done the starter three or four times, you're like, okay, I got this stuff licked. But for the first time, you would hate life. So, yeah, when I was a millwright, engineers, oil. Oil. Let's talk about oil. I got some time. Let's talk about oil. So, FLKA, okay. Oil. I had a royal purple engineer, a lubricant. Like, look, people to this day talk about AMSOIL as as if it is some revolutionary product. When non-detergent straight 30 can probably do most lubricating on most things ever. Theory. Versus application. Okay. Oilers. There are things called oilers or people that do PMs, preventive maintenance programs at power plants. So what is a PM program? You go around and you look at all the gauges on all the components and make sure that they're running to their best ability. You look at the oil. You physically look at the oil. And if the color is slightly darker than you'd like it to be, you change that oil. Well, what happened when Royal Purple came into these power plants? Engineers, guys that, this this stuff, not only it does it lubricate your parts better, it, it actually lasts long and you never have to change it. And if it gets hot, all you have to do is top it off. You never have to drain the oil and then change the oil. Well, what happened? 
a lot of the people that saw the royal purple, let's say, um, the color doesn't change. It was always a dark color. So they look at it and they kept topping it off, topping it off, topping it off. Well, guess what happened? They started noticing that they're using up more of it because it is, let's just say, less prone. Like it dissipates. It just like disappears when it gets really hot, right? It just kind of goes away. Well, that develops a film, develops a film on the rollers, develops a film inside the casing of like a pump. And instead of draining it out, getting all the solids out of the bottom and then filling it up with fresh oil, parts started failing faster. That's right. The fact that it dissipated and it lubricated so great, but oil was never changed. So at any time when pumps were in the, let's say outside temperatures and it was cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, and condensation would build up, it would actually build up and grab some of the rollers and premature bearing failure would happen. Engineers went in there saying this thing lubricates better. Engineers went in there saying this is a better lubricant. You don't even have to change the oil. Everyone, every power plant ditched royal purple oil and went back to straight 30 weight non-detergent oil for their bearings and electric motors, electric motor bearings and pump bearings because they could change it, look at it, and the life was extended. If it ain't broke, no reason to fix it or re-engineer it. And the Royal Purple guys were blown away by that. They were like, wait a minute, you, this thing lubricates better. Correct, in theory. But in application, un, unforeseen factors cut the life down of the pumps and motors, even though it lubricates better. At the end of the day, it isn't better for this machinery that we can actually change the oil on and that oil gets recycled. But stop it. Engineers all the time go in there trying to make something better and usually ruin something that's been working fine for 80 plus years. Yeah, scams oil, scams purple. Everyone goes, Mzoil, Mzoil, Mzoil. And I'm like, do you know what you know what transmission fluid I had in my MT82 that lasted 115,000 miles before it broke? The stock oil. I never changed the oil in it. Because I'm not one of these guys that looks at Amsoil or Royal Purple and thinks it is like, I get it. You turn the little wheel at AutoZone or AZ or o, AZ or, um, oh, wait, is it? Uh, AZ or, or OR. And you're like, oh, look, the oil goes up the gears better with this stuff. I want this stuff. I, I, I'm not one of those guys. And I, I get it. People have the cocktail, the Ben Calumar cocktail, this and this and that. All snake oil bullshit. All of it. Oil is oil. Most of it is made by the most three, the, the, the three manufacturers in the USA just subcontracted out. FYI, I agree. I should look into better aero for my dirt bike since it doesn't haul last enough for me to come out of a corner. Just like when engineer said not to boost the 350 because of the flat plane crank. Oh, do I have applause here? Please tell me I have applause. That is, that is so good. Them guts. I, I need applause. Oh, please have applause. There we go. Very good. Joe Goodenough, shout out to Joe Goodenough and Goodenough Performance, went to see SEMA and I, and we wanted to talk to a Ford engineer about supercharging, meaning at the time we were like, boy, what would a Gen 3 do on this son of a bitch, huh? What would a Gen 3 at 10 PSI, which isn't stressing it at all, it isn't spinning the rotors fast, but boy, will it bring torque back. What can that do on a... A GT350. What can a Gen 2R do on a GT350 at 10 PSI? Probably make high 700s. Engineer. 
You definitely don't want to do that because you will snap the crank. Raise your hand. Raise your hand as to how many snapped cranks have you seen on GT350s? I've seen busted rods. I've seen rods exit stage left. I have yet to see many, maybe on Pro Charger with a big hub sticking out the front. I get that. But not on a crank-driven supercharger or centrifugal or PD that actually grabbed the original front or rear sheaths to boost the car. So that engineer did not know what the fuck he's talking about. But you will sit there and listen to an engineer say, oh, you definitely don't want to do that. What do you mean? Everyone supercharges the GT350s. Every supercharged GT350 gets it. Every supercharged GT350 doesn't have crank failures. But that engineer scared everyone into, do not do it. It's going to snap the crank off. And I, at the time, was like, oh, he's an engineer. He must know what he's talking about. Didn't know shit. Again. And the engineer's probably going to go, oh, this guy's stupid. He, he didn't go to school like I did. No, we just simply tried shit, and it worked fine. No engineer, no physicist, no nothing that has never applied any of their theories into application or in life. Okay, you know, whatever you theorize, whatever you say is definite unless you've done it. I don't care what you say. If you've never done it and I have, I'm an authority on it, not you. They're out of fluid with stock fluid ATF. That's what I'm saying. Like everyone with their MTD2, what fluid are you using? I'm like, what does it matter? Stock stuff. No, but you don't get it. What don't I get? And again, people are rolling their eyes at sell Amsoil. People are rolling their eyes at sell cocktails. No fluid matters when it comes to the life and uh, the life and the gears of the uh, MTD2. Because if Ford gives you a 60,000 mile warranty with bitch ass oil in there, what the fuck is Amsoil going to do above and beyond that? Stop it. As a matter of fact, I can make the case that Ford won't warranty your shit if they find out you're using lubricants that are not recommended by them. The best kind of oil is changed oil, and an old mechanic told me exactly. And look, a lot of people, um, especially in the, I'm against long-lasting oil, oil is cheap. Yeah, 5,000 mile an hour oil, you're psycho. 10,000 mile, mile an hour, 10,000 mile oil, stupid. 15,000 mile oil, stupid. Three to 5,000 miles, if it's E85, 2,000 miles, or depending on the use, the Corvette gets 530 Mobile One. I'm using 550. Oh my God, you're going to blow it up. No, I'm not. It's a supercharged car. 550. Oh, you're stupid. Gotcha. Understood. Not that I've done this ever. After three dyno sessions, I changed the oil. Each dyno session contained at least eight poles. Eight pulls times three has 24 hard pulls in hard weather. I said, let me get rid of this oil. That was a good thing to do because I looked at the oil. I'm like, it didn't look all that great because I it's, it's a petroleum-based fuel. I was dialing in fueling. I'm sure a lot of the fuel made its way into the oil pan because running rich or, you know, rich conditions and dialing in math curves and all this stuff. Oh, no, I got another 3,000 miles on my oil. That is so stupid, especially on performance vehicles. If you go out with your boys three weekends in a row, and you get 10 pulls each each time out. Change that oil. Especially if you're on E85. Change that. But Alex, I got 3,000 miles left. No, you don't. That shit is sheared and done and gone. Arizona or Oregon, exactly. 
Uh, I've been supercharged for three years now on my Gen 1 350. No problems at all. Broken crankshaft isn't a, isn't a Chevy. Uh, never ever heard of a snap crank. Maybe bending. Correct. Snap crank unless it's a pro charger. I've heard people say their car feels faster with Amzo. Yeah, exactly. Those are those. That is placebo. There are placebo pills. There are things that make you feel better, and it is a mental state. If you, how many times have you washed your car, and you said, "Damn, this thing drives better after I wash it." It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But the fact that the wheels are clean, in and out, the jams are dry, the hood is shining. You put a little wax on the bitch, and you go out for a drive. You go, "Damn, why the hell does a car drive better when I wash it?" Then when it's dirty, it doesn't. It's placebo. No different than oil. And again, no industry rags out their oil more than the industrial world. It is on 24-7. The pumps at FPNL, they don't stop. They keep going. They only stop when they're broken or need to be changed or parts need to be changed out. But you can absolutely go to any power plant and see a pump that has been running for a year, nonstop, 24-7. Let's not get into the MT-82s or old T-56s because people will do every band-aid before addressing the actual issue, the clutch. I have a spec clutch the Bondo Bird gave me. I'm going to put it in. The moment it starts giving me any issues, out, I'll put a McLeod in there. That's going to give me issues. I know that for a fact. And by that time, I might be able to afford like an RPS or something. But I'm still kind of like on the fence. If I'm going to mess with RPS stuff, because look, black magic stuff, in my opinion, is not street stuff. That's race car shit. Sorry. Uh, you can say you got a street car all you want. If you got a Black Magic clutch in there, it's not a street car. Sorry. It's just not. Diaphragm clutch. Clutching in. Bada bing, bada boom. The fact that you got to adjust it 15 times to get it, you know, dialed in. Cool. I am not going to remove a transmission from a S197 at the track to adjust shit. No way. I'll, I'd rather get a bias ply slick and I'll adjust the launch RPM and get 5.8 studs and a very robust rear end back there. It might need a 9-inch one day. Who knows? But we'll see when we get there. We'll see what parts break. Again, the goal is to go 8 and then sell it. I want to get into a house. But the more the housing market sucks, the less likely I am to sell that car because might as well have some fun with it. I change my oil every two months. FOMO Co. 550. No issues. Exactly. Every supercharged car should get 5W50 Motorcraft full synthetic. Now, the engine builder, based on his experience, because it is not a factory spec motor, said BR40 for break-in and FR50 when you go racing. Beautiful. That is what he recommends because his experience in racing tells him that's the best oil for that use. So listen to him. Um, my car feels faster with oil in it. I say it every time I wash it. Exactly. My dad used to change his oil and plugs after every track day in his old 66 Malibu. I sell Amzol at my shop. People think they can go longer oil changes. I tell them to change it at three to 5,000 miles. If they want to get their oil tested, they might be able to go longer. I get that. A lot of people go crazy with this, um, oil analyses. Yeah. Here's the analyses. Uh, change the fucking thing every three to 5,000 miles. Like a lot of people, oh, let me cut this. Let me send it out. And and you pay for a hundred something dollars for analysis. And they're like, yeah, it's just fucked. <laughs> I could have told you that. You, send me a hundred dollars. Look, you want your oil analyzed? Send it to me. I'll open it up. I go, this thing smells like gasoline. It's junk. You should have changed it a long time ago. There's your analysis. It's smooth after it's clean. So it has better arrow, right? It's 60 foot's better or zero to 60 mile an hour better. 
It's fast because the math got wet after washing it. It's running lean now. I noticed that too. I was trying to dial in my math curve in the rain like a dumbass. And I'm like, why is it running like shit? And it's because the Z-R1's hood has a little tiny slit in it and water gets in there and hits the math. So what am I going to do? I'm going to make a shield because I got a complete custom situation going on in there based on experience. I stopped trying to reinvent the wheel based on my experience. This works the best maximize this combo. So what am I going to do? I'm going to build a little shield around the top of the round part of the filter, but not stuck to it just around the top, a very slight one plastic or metal, whatever, and then let it grab air from the bottom. A lot of air from the bottom indirectly based on my experience. Watch that sucker perform better. We have pumps in Texas Instruments that have been running one to three years. Just get a little oil added sometimes. You probably have Royal Purple if you're putting a little oil in there because typically they shut them down, PM them. Well, they have an oiler, a trico oiler. So I'll show you what a trico oiler is. This is a very cool uh, piece of equipment. If you don't know what a trico oiler is, we're talking. This is now. This is this is now Millwright stuff. A trico oiler is a very neat piece of uh, of engineering. So this oiler, what you do is you in you put you you fill your oil at a predetermined height. Okay, this is a this is a perfect illustration of how it works. You want it at the side of the pump. That is going against the rotation because if it is rotating this way, it'll actually fill up the trico oiler. So you want actually no, this is in my opinion, this might be incorrect. No, yeah, you're right. It actually uh, drains the oil. So you set the oil level here, okay, and then here you're supposed to adjust this. There's a little tiny uh, rotating part inside there that you turn where you want the level to stay. This is just a reservoir. All this does is gravity feed the oil, uh, sorry, gravity feed the oiler once it gets below a certain level. So if you're a guy doing PMs, walking around your uh, uh, whatever, you look at this oiler, and if it gets down to about a quarter, you take the oiler out, you fill it up, you put it back in, and you walk away. You, screw, you unscrew this, take this whole top off, flip it, put oil in it, put it on, screw this on, and all of a sudden, you now have oil supply for another year or two. So all the guys that do PMs, they just look at the oil. They This is a pump. This is a perfect example of centrifugal pump. Uh, and they basically just, this is a nice, uh, basic, this basically gets the moisture out of the system. So guys, I've been working in oiling things, especially in the industrial world for, I don't know, since I was like 20. So when anyone talks to me about oil or anything like that, I laugh in their face. I go, have you applied any of your knowledge in actual, in the real world? And they're like, no. Okay, then shut the fuck up. Like, please shut the fuck up. The industrial world humbles you real quick, real, real quick. Bryson says, I'm out. Going to get lunch with the fam. Catch reach for Fuck the fam. Stay here with the boys. I use Penzo Ultra Platinum 530 in my Coyote. Only 20 bucks for five quarts. Is it bad to use 550 on an NA Coyote? Um, it's not bad, but I don't think it's necessary. Um, no. Okay. He says, no, um, no VR1 handles ethanol dilution extremely well. Gotcha. Uh, on the Stairmaster watching Alex's, Alex is winning. <laughs> I have two Gen 2 VM. I have a Gen 2 with VMP Gen 3R at about 16 PSI. That's a good amount of jam. That's probably a 79 or 75 millimeter pulley. The car has been supercharged since new. No problems. Change all every 3,000 miles. What weight do you recommend running? 550. 
550, 550, 550, 550. Amsoil is just extra detergents, right? All right, Gnome's oil, the next few changes were dirty looking. Yes. I think Amsoil, depending on the application, you could run it. I just don't think it's worth the money. And I don't think there's a measurable, measurable um, difference in the price justification. So let's say I put 550 in there and it cost me for 10 quarts, let's say it cost me 80 bucks. 10 quarts of Amsoil pie cost me 120 bucks. Like I, I don't see a huge difference in that $50. I don't see any better miles per gallon. I don't see any better long-lasting life. I don't see a horsepower increase. I don't see anything, like anything. So if you want to run Namsoil for peace of mind because you think it's better, great. But don't be mad when you ask me what oil I'm running, and I'm running the same times, the same oil change intervals and all that stuff, and and we're having the same performance. Uh, Leo says, I've used a VR1 for 20 years. Uh, my Vortec 800 horsepower, 99 GT. Always changed it at 3,000 miles. Never had any issues either engine or Vortec. I remember your old, old video about reading signs and doing what's on the label. Yes, on the label when it comes to stock stuff. So if you have a stock Coyote Mustang, I don't think you need anything above 525, 30. If you have a supercharged Mustang, stock goes out the window. But it was funny because it says no E85 in a Mustang. And all we do is throw E85 and shit. Royal Purple, LOL, Frumblin, PFPF. I do 530. Oil, baby oil works great. Um, we use Berkeley 5 centrifugal pumps on our oil field trucks. Way more efficient and faster than t &E gear pumps. 550 is hard to find. You have to go to a dealership. I buy it by the case. I don't mess around. So, yeah, we'll do that. So, let's talk about turbo stuff. Precision. Who here knows anything about turbo stuff? I don't really know or care because I think turbos are not, they're not my wheelhouse. That's not my shit. For street performance, I want power now and positive displacement superchargers to me are king in that aspect. Ultimate, you know, top end power and um, power output and efficiency. Sure, turbos got it 100%. But precision turbos, have they ever been a good company? So this is what makes me laugh. Okay, so let's say Calvo says, all right, fuck precision to Chinese junk and shit. Well, let me ask you, why'd you run the shit in your cars in the first place? Like if you knew there were Chinese junk, how many customers do you have out there with precision turbos on their cars? And you justified using those in those vehicles. So that's one of those things he's going to have to see. That's the problem with the slippery slope. He's going to have to think and say, okay, if I go out there and say precision is junk, how many Calvo customers that have precisions in them are going to want that shit ripped out of their car? And because I said it's Chinese junk, we're going to have millionaires. That's right. Guys that, you know, have Calvo cars and, and badass built Vipers are going to want to hear. Wait, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. If you're going to make podcasts calling out precision stuff, then why the fuck did you put it in my car in the first place? And what, and, and I, you know, I spent, you know, $400,000 at this place and $250,000 at this place. Why in the hell did you put Chinese junk in my car? That's the slippery slope and can of worms he might open. So I really would do a lot of thinking if I was Calvo. And again, I'm giving you free advice. Basically, I've been doing this longer. If you're going to, because you have a business, I don't have a business tied to this. If you have a business where you build cars with those parts, then in a podcast said, Say said parts are junk because they're made in China. Every guy that has a Calvo Viper out there is going to go, why'd you put precision stuff in my car if you now are saying it's Chinese junk? So 
I would do a lot of thinking before blasting precision because I don't know anything about uh, turbo stuff, but I know um, how a shop like yours can probably see some... Dude, this is a litigious culture we live in. Everyone wants to litigate something. And let's say... Okay, let's say I'm a fan of Calvo. I'm a bad... I mean, I love Calvo. And I got one of your cards with a sequential 60 to 60 to 130 in the high 2s or low 3s and I'm ecstatic. Then I hear you say precision's junk. And guess what's under my hood? Precision. And I'm like, why'd you do why'd you put precision shit in my shit if I, you know, they can literally not not litigate but they can say you got to switch switch these out for free. I again, that's a huge can of worms and I'm just Speaking off the cuff here, but that, I'd really be careful opening that can of worms. If you own a business and you've been putting parts that you don't think are great on a car, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, I do look forward to see, seeing that. Enough oil talk. Um, Project Farm on YouTube does great. Oh, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Precision 8685s are well known to blow the shafts up, says Johnny Trans. Interesting. OEM turbos are the best ones to build. You can build Garrett or whole set with aftermarket inducers and turbines for the application. I've never understood the Chinese glass turbo hype. Isn't precision made next door to Whipple? Oh my God, stop it. They've been doing it for years. They've been blowing up shafts for years. Okay, why don't we hear about it? Are, do they just pay off the people that run the stuff? Like Garrett runs all that shit. Um, most of the guys on Street Outlaws probably run precision stuff. Like, do they just give you turbos and go here? Don't worry about it. We got you. If shit happens, I don't know. I I, I don't I don't mess with any turbo stuff. And again, I am not a racer like that. I'm not living in the 2,000 horsepower world. I'm a nobody. So that's why I don't speak on it. I am not an expert on that stuff. So I'd like to hear what they got to say because they live in that world. I'm just asking because I don't know. Um... AC says, first present chat I've seen in a long time. Um, Ernie Montalvo says, finally caught her live. I'll watch a replay. Thanks for tuning my car. Hey, Ernie, as long as you're happy, I'm happy, brother. Johnny Trans says, Precision makes Pro Mod turbos. They are designed to make 50 plus 50 PSI. They ke they have Kevlar blankets on the compressors. <laughs> if I was going turbo, I'd go with a brand turbo that also makes industrial engine turbos. Now you are talking like I'm thinking. Nothing gets vetted more than industrial stuff. Industrial stuff cannot fail. Stuff like power. When you go to a power plant, when you go to a power plant and none of the pumps are anything but Ingersoll, Rand, Ingersoll, Dresser, Peerless, or Goulds, you go, oh, this power plant likes, likes staying running nonstop. When you start seeing Worthington pumps, when you start seeing China stuff, there's some China casts out there. You're going to be like, oh my God, this plant probably has a lot of downtime because of the way it was built. But I've been at a couple of power plants, especially um, natural gas-fired power plants, and they run Ingersoll stuff, Ingersoll Dresser, Ingersoll Rand, Gould, and Peerless nonstop. But when it comes to like junk-ass Worthington stuff, that's when you start seeing tr trouble. Um, yeah, but back to what I was saying, whatever industrial plant, let's say they have a Cummins engine and 
turbo and, and, and it relies on, you know, that for backup. Whatever that has going on in it, that's probably, is it Garrett? Is it, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about turbos. Sorry. So Garrett, I hear great things about, but I don't hear uh, great things about, I don't hear a lot of variety. Like a lot of the stuff you see the regular schmo like you and me under 1500 horsepower run is precision, 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 precision. Like that's all they freaking run. Except um, Fat House. They run a different type of turbo. Once low five zero says, "What PSI do Gen two start to lift the heads?" It, <laughs> uh, there is no predetermined PSI that starts to lift the heads. You could have an LPF kit at fourteen PSI start to lift the heads if it's really restrictive, and then you can have an on three kit run at twenty PSI without issue. And then you can have a Hellion kit run at 22 PSI without issue. Then an Aldo kit at 22 PSI without issue. So it all depends how the turbo kit or anything is basically configured. TVS, power, positive displacement, 20 plus PSI. I haven't heard any issues of lifting ahead. So there isn't a preset on the gasket that says at 20 PSI with any kit, any, any, any power rider, just let go. That is one of those questions that cannot be answered simply. Uh, but Alex, industrial brands aren't sexy. There's no clout with those names. Right. The best thing to do as a as a YouTuber or a social media personality or influencer is not to get tied down to any one brand. That is the smart, that's the smart play. Because the problem is as goes the brand, goes your product. And or goes your your channel. So if you have made your channel 100% precision, 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 and then really bad press starts to be put on precision, not because of your doing, you've done your best to push, push, push the product. Now you got to ride or die with that product. In my opinion, you should you should diversify everything you got going on. But a lot of people like like engine building. I don't think you should stick to one engine builder. Period. How about that? I don't think you should rely on one engine builder. You should put them all against each other. I run Keith stuff based on what the ticket system says. The ticket system, any GT500 making 11, 12, 1300 and up with a Keith Ray high compression motor typically has no issue. So I'm like, hey, I'd be more than happy to send it to him. But Coyote stuff, ooh, I can open a can of worms there. But honestly, on Coyote stuff, I don't think there's one better than any other. It all depends on who built it on what day and how much attention to detail. And sometimes you'd be surprised that a built motor, like, you know how many times I've seen that a built motor doesn't last as long as a stock motor and then they blame the tune? I don't know, stock motor. I'm saying a stock motor, stock rods that are light, balanced nicely from the factory. This thing went 820s, 830s, stock motor. I put in a built motor, same boost, it blew up. Then you blame the tune. Why would the tune have to change for... A forged rod and a better piston. Same compression, same bore, same fuel, same everything. Uh, it's totally different. Okay, got it. I think you should diversify everything you got going on. If you're a social media or if you intend to go in on social media stuff, do not lock yourself in with just one product. Jose uses Garrett uses Garrett base turbos on a foundation for his build. Who's Jose? Dynoing 2,000 horsepower, 88 millimeter, and Viper and having turbo fail. Imagine dynoing a 2,000 horsepower Viper, 88 millimeter twin turbo Viper. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it went like through the room. It wasn't like they were standing next to the exhaust. They know better. Uh, detonation lifts heads. Exactly. It's boost. 
Imagine all the pumps that provide the cool water to the core of the reactor at nuclear power plant went out at the same time. Well, they have backups. They have a backup generator system, and that's what uh, Fukushima Daiichi or whatever in Japan, that's what happened. When the tsunami hit, it took out everything and their backups and flooded all their diesel generators. And once you lost containment and cooling, see you later. You're going to hear about that stuff later on, how bad they contaminated the Pacific Ocean. The supercharger on my GT500 uses all that crazy. Can you... <laughs> Ha! <laughs> I can't. I can't read the. I can't read the rest of that because they'll come after you. See, you guys laugh at this. They'll literally come after you for talking that shit. How many days did the engine trans install? If we're talking about the recap video, um, a whole day, eight a.m. to five p.m. I'm saying put the headers on, put the clutch in, put the bell housing on, test, put the pilot bearing on, test fit the uh, T56. Put it on the car and then throw the a whole day, a whole day, eight hours. Holson Garrett Borg Warner are the turbos he was talking about. That's why Alex isn't Ford only. So when Ford dies, his channel won't exactly. See, a lot of people that dislike um, uh, my recent Ford take, I understand, but you got to understand my side of things. I see Ford going downhill really fast. That's not the, that doesn't mean I'm a Chevy guy. That means I'm gonna buy old Fords. Okay, more more notchbacks, more Fox bodies, uh, older cars that I think were cool pre 2020. I think are, in my opinion, still some of the best and sought after vehicles to build up on. But you'd be really silly to not diversify your channel and product and, and grow your knowledge base by bringing in other platforms. Zero one, CTS, uh, five, Blackwing one day. If I can really make it, that'd be a cool car. Or a CTS V3, I just think is sexier and more affordable. I can get into it for the 60s. So, yeah, I'd be crazy not to diversify and stick with Ford if Ford really goes down the toilet. There are a lot of people right now, channels like Stang Mode and all those other channels that rely, and Shmi and all those guys that rely on new. They they wait for the manufacturer's new cars to come out. So what, are you going to, are you going to, the Hornet? Like, is that what you're going to look for? The Mustang, the Skyline, which are just SUVs, EVs? If you have made your channel a drag racing channel on Ford stuff only, new Ford stuff only, imagine what your fans are going to think when the next day you got a Tesla Model S Plaid trying to, and they're like, oh, you're gay now. You're gay. When I've talked highly about Tesla and negatively about Tesla because I, I see the positive neg negatives of both, I've always said I'd love the ZR1. I've always said I love the CTSV. So it'd be crazy for me to put all my eggs in the Ford new car basket. I can go back to old school. Hence why the notch was a big uh, step up for me because it was a cash purchase and there's a bunch of stuff wrong with it, but I'm slowly but surely getting around to working on it. I just have too many projects in front of it. Now that the clutch is messed up, I can now fix that and then get it to the track once it cools down out there. It'll go tens, no problem. I guarantee it'll go tens, NA, no problems. Jose is forced inductions. Got it. If you see a brand being shoved down your throat, advertised everywhere, it's likely not a great product. A good product should sell itself. That's what I think about Armageddon kids. Have you guys seen Armageddon? Armageddon just being shoved down everyone's throat. Have you seen Celine nonstop just advertise, 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 making you think, oh man, I got to get in on this Celine thing. I got to invest in Celine. And you're like, what? No, did you, did you not know the history of Celine? Did you not know that? That money's pretty much gone. Did you not? I mean, Armageddon is like, like even I go, man, maybe Armageddon kids will be pretty badass. Like on my Cadillac. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Stop. The amount of money they're spending on advertising tells me something's up. Hey, Josh Roy got the dark horse logo. And he says, that's the only dark horse, dark horse I'll ever have. Horse induction is Jose. 
The TR-66 and the 07 Shelby good units used on a Coyote swap. Yeah, but it's not as good as the um, 1314 and 1112. I think 1112, 1314 are the better TR-66s. Ever watch a documentary on Three Mile Island? Yes, they covered up a lot. And wait until you find out that Japan probably dumped a bunch of toxic-ass water back into the ocean. Or they used ocean water to cool the reactor. It's crazy. And who doesn't like a ZR-1? Come on, I think people that... okay. I never disliked ZR1s. I just like the owners. Because the owners are like GT500 owners. They're gay as shit. I like the car because it is a light. Remember, I've always talked about Cobras. Lightweight, two-seater, big V8. Well, the ZR1 kind of checks those boxes because Ford doesn't make anything like that unless it's something that they made in the 60s, which they now make replicas of. And the ZR1 to me is as close as you can get to a 60s Shelby anything. 600 plus horsepower, 3,200 pounds now. Obviously, if you can get a twin turbo Coyote backdraft Cobra with a top and AC, bro, I'm in there. But that's 120, 130, 140 thousand dollars that I'm not willing to spend on that car. And I'm probably not going to race it because it's probably too expensive. The ZR1, it was in the 60s when I bought it. 60, 60 or so thousand dollars. I'm slowly learning the tuning on it, slowly learning the parts that work and don't work. And then I'm going to, you know, have some fun with it. It's a 6'1", 60 to 130 car with minimal mods and pump gas. So once I get either meth for cooling or E85 and meth for cooling, because I think there's such a weird void in the ZR1 world based on my observations. The cooling. They don't have a Billy Badass heat exchanger. Edelbrock. I'm saying Billy Badass. AFCO makes a twin fan triple pass heat exchanger for Roush vehicles and GT500s. The ZR1 world doesn't really have that. So you get a lid, an Edelbrock, and then you shove meth down its throat. And hopefully it cools it a little bit with the added octane, kind of gives you a dual benefit. Cool. So you got to rely on a chemical after cooler, a $1,500 lid or something, and a heat exchanger that's thin as fuck. And single or dual pass. And I'm like, there is a huge void in this market. This market does not have, in my opinion, the similar support that the Mustang aftermarket does. The ZR1 market, you've got like three guys that do stuff. It's Kong, Synergy, and a couple other places. And and, it's, and, and I look at the product, and I'm like, look, they're cool, but not badass like Mustang stuff is. So I'm going to take what I know. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna provide any product. I don't want to make any product. I'm gonna do what I know works, because I think that can be applied to this platform as a matter of cooling. I know what to do. Uh, cold air intake. I know what to do. Hell and uh, tuning. I'm kind of getting there. So and again, I'm not offering any product, and I don't want to make any product. I just want to tune my vehicle and go about it a completely different way than everyone else is doing. Yeah, I, I believe you, Coyote Kelly, but the problem is ZR1 owners, by and large, are pretty much like weirdos. SR, what's up? Mr. Rupin uh, says, I'll, I'll catch like replay later. YouTube car channels need to diversity. They're going to go resto mod. Exactly. So the YouTube car channels have to go to old. They cannot stick around the new car game because the new car game is over unless you're going luxury car, like really expensive luxury cars. In my opinion, this channel should have a CTS V3 on the channel. In my opinion, this channel should have a rotary starlet on the channel. In my opinion, this car should have an import on the channel. So, what would be the cars that I would think are great? An Eclipse, a DSM, either a DSM or an Evo 8 
or nine, the previous generation. I think that'd be cool because it is not such a, it's not a civic. And let's be honest, it's not a civic. But the DSM stuff, like the Eclipse stuff, still makes me go, hmm, that's nice. I, I like the all-wheel drive, small body, you know, stick shift. That's cool, but maybe you guys don't care. I don't care if you don't care. I care because I grew up with Eclipse stuff. I owned a Plymouth Laser for a little while, and I thought it was it had a lot of potential. Rotary, old school, dumb starlet that runs 10s or 9s. Stick, that'd be cool. But it, does, it can't look like a pro mod. It can't look like it has a big tuck under the tire. It's got to look as stock. It's got to do it on baby Supras. It's got to do it. It's got to do 10s or 9s on four lug baby Supras. And a 488 that's shortened. Just like that. That's what I want. Period. And if I could find one, I'd get it. And the CTS V3. A big V8. Nice car that runs 9s. And it is luxurious. I think by that, if I can keep that whole fleet, Fox Body, Cadillac, CTSV, the Escalade, the ZR1, the GT500, uh, a Supra, I am so diverse that people are going to tune in and go, this is the only motherfucker that has everything on that channel. When then there are other channels that have nothing but Mustangs, Mustangs, and more Mustangs, and Mustangs, and Dark Horse, and GT, and oh my God, stop. Alex, you think you'll ever have a Tour of Yachty Racing Bucephalus in your garage one day? Fuck no. Fuck no. And a diesel truck, correct. A Duramax. Uh, 07 uh, Duramax. 06? 06? Before they went with the bullshit um, DPF. Why is my Whipple 10R car so slow? I mean, it's in your title. Hey, Alex, what do you think about interchiller setups of PD Mustangs? I'm not a big fan of relying on the air conditioning system to cool your intake air temps. It's just a kind of a convoluted setup. You can do a chemical after cooler like meth, but I'm not a huge fan. On Chevy stuff, I am because there are no good heat exchangers. In my opinion, if you have a PD Mustang, all you really need is a badass heat exchanger, like a VMP triple pass or AFCO, because AFCO makes them. VMP doesn't have a factory of heat exchangers being made at their fucking shop. They buy them from AFCO, they stick fans in them, and they sell them as VMP heat exchangers. Okay? So, badass triple pass heat exchanger, good intercooler. That's really all you need up to about six, seven, eight hundred horsepower. Above that, you're probably gonna start talking ice tank. A rotary starlet would be badass. I think so. Evo 10X. Evo 10X. Let me see. Evo 10X. Let me see what body style that is. Uh, no, that is an ugly car. I hate those Evos. Nope. The Evo 10 are shit. I like the 9. Let me see. Yep, I like the 9, not the 10. Fuck Evo 10s. They're ugly as shit. Uh, make me, make everything sleeper never gets old. Yeah, 95 Turbo Eclipse GSX. That's what I have. 4G63 is taking time out. I know, but I don't care. Rotary Starlet would be sweet. Exactly. I got to get the Puerto Ricans on the channel. I wonder why he didn't say anything SRT or Hellcat. I am not ever going to buy a Hellcat or a Trackhawk for the simple Hellcats and Trackhawks they got Timmy like on the tunnel and a blast off he would have got I like to fuck him in the ass while he beat up the no no it's gonna get stolen what am I gonna show you how to keep your car from getting stolen so so if I bought a Hellcat or a Trackhawk it'd be to take it to the hood and see if Pookie could steal it or not It'd be a sacrificial lamb. It'd be bait. It'd be a bait vehicle. Up, oh, parking next to Metro PCS and see if Pookie can steal it. And then you have to make products so that Pookie can't steal it. That's the whole 
That's the whole thing. Set up a camera in a van pointing to my Hellcat in front of a Metro PCS or a car or, or, or laundromat. Ooh, subtle racism. And see if Pookie can steal it based on my mods. No, thank you. The V3 is so much better looking than the Blackwing. Even at ATS-V is impressive and underrated. I agree. Everyone goes, Alex, CT5, CT5, CT5. I don't like the CT5 how it looks. Sorry. And I don't like the 10R. I want the V3. I don't care what you think is better. I don't care. I want a V3. Evil 10s don't have a 4G63. Diversity in the car game makes it so much more interesting. There's a whole world out there besides Detroit, what Detroit offered. A rotary starlet you guys would love. I guarantee with the right exhaust and the right mods and with the right people, a stick shift 10 or 9 second rotary starlet is fun as hell. Mike Audio, low sampled lot. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, Mopar anti-theft channel. Exactly. Alex, why don't you spend $300,000 on importing and registering R34 GTR? Yeah, those channels are stupid. Those channels are ridiculous. Do you ever give that starry drink to your apartment security guard? No, I did not. Uh, <laughs> no, just um, Sprite. They like Sprite. They, they like Sprite. I wouldn't buy a Hellcat or Trackhawk because I have good credit and wouldn't want people judging me. Don't get that cat stole. Hellcat, you can start doing takeover content. Late, but good. No, you know what's happening with, you know what's happening with takeovers. There was a video on Instagram where a Mexican dude was like, there was a, a, a white guy with a sombrero, or, you know, cowboy hat and glasses. And the Mexican guy, oh, what's up, Fed? What's up, what's up, cop? And the cop's like, come over here, come over here. He's like, nah, what are you doing here at a takeover? You're just here to spy on people and to try to, you know, he's a narc. And he called them out on being a narc. I wish I could find that video. My cousin had a wide-body Hellcat, got stolen twice. Exactly. Anything rotary is love. I was watching that Rob Dam guy build a 80 rotor car. And I'm like, just stop. Look, in my opinion, the rotary is great. But once you start going three rotor, four rotor, dumb shit, you just kind of get off into the weeds of, like, number one, not being able to afford it, not being realistic. In my opinion, you should show how to build, let's say, a 10 or 9 second starlet. One, it's super light. You got to get a robust rear end, a decent trans, decent clutch, probably a bunch of nitrous. It's not going to be It's not going to be um, a turbo rotary. It's going to be just a, probably a nitrous you know, rotary because 10 and 9 is all, all you really need is a shitload of nitrous. But um, I don't really think about that, and I know it's expensive, and I know it's hard to come by, but I'd like to – probably get with someone that really knows their shit no nobody in florida someone that actually races these things consistently and can can guide me and then i can i can learn from them one thing i'm learning a lot well okay when i stopped having other people work on my cars my knowledge base really expanded i was deathly afraid of installing my own motor four years ago four years ago i'm like oh man i gotta install my own motor where do I even start? I don't have a lift. Ugh, I don't have a lift. Ugh. But I remember I used to do it before, but with small block Ford stuff. I used to just dump motors in cars all the time, transmissions, clutches, rear ends, and the whole nine yards. I, I wasn't afraid. But with Coyote stuff, I was not well-versed. The moment I stopped letting other people work on my cars, I gained control back. And I started going, wait a minute. Why did it take him a week to do it when it took this It took me five hours to install a full set of headers ultimate header on my white car by myself and i thought to myself why are people charging you know a grant why are people removing the k member 
That's my favorite. I go, wait a minute. They're charging me alignment. They're charging me this labor. They're charging me that labor. Why? I did it on my own. Again, ultimate header. Not stainless, not, you know, Texas Speed or whatever. Ultimate header. So I'm like, that's stupid. I'll never. And then when I did, when I tried to put the BL Fab kit in, and I said, fuck this noise. You want me to take my electrical and extend it and put it? Nope, 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 not worth it. Get it out of my life. Get the, oh, I got to wrap the whole thing. Get it out. Get this fucking shit out of my life. Put an ESS kit in it. Fucking mint. The moment I started doing that, my knowledge base really expanded. So now when I, when the, when the motor went on the GT500, I said, I'll take it out. Took it out. Sent it to Keith. Got it back. Put it in. Put the trans in. Put, oh, I got to switch over the pedals from auto to manual. Okay. Got underneath. Looked at it. Six bolts. Okay. Let's do that. Did that yesterday. So you're not afraid of doing stuff. Now, electrical is my weak point. Absolutely. Electrical is my weak point. I go, ah, I don't know what, where, this, that, and that's something I'm going to have to learn to. Hell, cat in my driveway would change the demographics of the visitors on my street. Can't have that. My dad had a talent TSI, very fun little car. That video is hilarious. The cop had a smile on his face. Uh, nice response. He's going to run, start quadding and fishing. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Yes, get out there and enjoy your Sunday. Quad fish, do all that bullshit. A typical Puerto Rican talk right here. Un punto ocho con huevo, un palo brutal. Una pavita. Mira, búscate una pavita, un poquito de nitro, un palo brutal y Weber. Y esa, ese corre diez sin problema. And I'm like, well, what? What the fuck are you talking about? Um, so yeah, I, I think the channel had, like a lot of you guys want me to wrench on my cars. And then I thought to myself, okay, uh, that's a lot of work because I have a full-time job and the video stuff. But if it gets you content, it gets you content. And if it takes a month to make a video or two, it takes a month to make a video or two. You have live streams to fill you in in the, in the meantime. So when the clutch throw-up bearing went on the Fox, I literally just got home and I started smelling a metallic thing and I saw smoke and I'm like, I think the throw-up bearing went to shit because the pedal feels weird. I said, okay. That'll be more content. So that'll be next. Once I get the GT500 at least started, I can then move the Corvette out, put the notch in, take the clutch out, and then move it back in its parking spot, do all that. Dude, play the musical chairs with garage stuff. Working on your own stuff is so satisfying, especially when it goes smoothly. Rapidito, papi. Red equals positive. Um, I'm not a big fan of organizing. So my garage looks like a bomb went off inside, but I know where everything is. The issue I'm going to have eventually is I got to get a legit toolbox and legit organizing. I have a cart and the cart has all the, the, re the regular stuff, but I need like a tool organization situation. And I'm like, I, I just, I, I don't have the patience for that. I'm going to be honest with you. If that takes me a weekend to organize my tools, I, I would feel that's a lost weekend. Dev Marth says, I just saw your update vid on the GT500. Super stoked to see that thing alive and running again. Me too. What I'm going to have issues with is this. The neutral safety switch. I don't know where it is. On the shifter, the race shifter for the Turbo 400, when it was in neutral, it wouldn't turn on. When it was in park, it would turn on. So I'm like, what switch was that? And I look underneath where all the wiring is, and I don't know where to make heads or tails of it. So Jake was nice enough to say, Alex, here's the factory wiring diagram. Here's the factory connector. You're going to have to get this thing wired up. And I'm like, ugh, ugh. Johnny Tran says, DIY stuff is king. It is an inspiration for people at home to start their own project. Just sent you the video of the undercover cop through Instagram. Thank you very much. Instagram. So, so there's a guy on Instagram. I bet you you're not even like on my friends list. Let me see. Martin. Is it Martin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at this guy. Boom. Okay. Look at this guy. Oh, this is great. 
let me see make sure nobody uh you guys are weird you guys are weird with this let me go to the can i go to the post who's gone wild let me go to the post because if i if i you guys see the inbox you guys start getting really freaking weird here it is okay so check this out this guy was at a takeover and he saw this dude and was like get out of here narc get the hell out of here oops this is how undercover tries to roll. You ain't Rasa, homie. Hey, come here. Come here for a second. I don't got nothing to talk to you, brother. Undercover thought he was slick. This is how undercover tries to roll. You ain't Rasa, homie. I don't got nothing to talk to you, brother. All of a sudden, he started doing that cop walk. And you see the cop walk, right? He's like, hey, what's up, man? It's all good. And then when he started walking, you see him look left and right. Looking left, looking right, left, right, left. Yeah, he's looking out. That's that cop walk. That I'm like, get out of here with that bullshit. Yeah, that's why you don't see me dead at these sideshows or anything like that, man. They're just full of trouble. Look, again, you used to be able to go racing with a group of friends and have a good time. Now you can't You can't do anything stupid, especially sideshows, because now they're like, they're liable to call you a, 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 a terrorist, a domestic terrorist, if you're at a sideshow. So just don't go to them. Hit the like, fellow peasants. That's right. How many likes do I got? 176 likes and uh, 270 people. And then and then this is what happens. Hey, how come Alex doesn't post anymore? How come Alex doesn't make videos anymore? Hey, Alex, can you give us an update? Um, I'm sorry. This channel needs likes, money, and um, to be shared a lot in order so I can get paid to make the videos. If I don't have the, the wherewithal to see the... Cause it's not like I'm making ten thousand a month on YouTube, guys. I make enough to basically pay back, like the payments on the cars, tools, equipment, and the time that that pays for everything. I don't, I don't sit there and go, "Yep, I made another twenty thousand this month. I'm just gonna just, you know, go buy shoes." No, everything goes back into the channel. Buy a toolbox with a little more space than you need. I went with a Husky seventy-two inch wide, and it filled up quickly. And I upgraded to my tiny old school Craftsman. Yeah, I have a. Good size toolbox right now, but the organization is terrible. I have to do a better job. Radio on his shoulder is showing. Get out of here. Really? Control shift T. Let me see. Is the radio on his shoulder? Undercover treasure. Let me see. Is it? Radio on his shoulder showing. Let's see. Uh, here it is. Undercover thought he was. Let me see. Is the radio on his shoulder showing? Let me go. Let me go check, check that out again. I didn't see that. Let me see. Slick. This is how undercover tries to roll. Uh, that right there? Is that what you're saying right there is the, the radio? You ain't Rasa. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Look at that. He's got, a, <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a radio right on his shoulder. Oh, my God. What a dumbass. Oh, my Lord. That's great. I didn't notice that. Good good, good eye. I, I did not notice he had a radio on his shoulder the whole time. So, uh, good stuff. Oh, what did I do, Alex? Come on. Put the sponsors back up. Get the sponsors back up. The sponsors get all mad if I don't like put. I, they don't get mad. They're actually pretty cool. Actually, I haven't heard anything like negative. The sponsors just like to being being up. And they ask how much, how, how much does it cost to get on your banner? No, if I don't have a, a previous relationship with you where we can like, if I, I gotta like you and I gotta know you that you're not gonna like screw me over to to be able to put you up on the banner. I've I've literally met everybody on this banner list except um, Rami and Parts Farm. But you know we we deal with them all the time. Dude looking like Walker, Texas Ranger. I just put headers and carb, water pump, distributor, etc. on my 69 Firebird I'm building. Satisfying building it yourself. The cop, wedding band, ain't nobody married and takeovers. Look, I don't mind paying a shop. 
because I'm not going to do the clutch on the Corvette unless I have a lift or something resembling a lift. But the transmission on a um, you know a clutch on a uh, ZR1, it is a huge task. And the problem is this. People say, just do a fuel system. Well, in order for you to do a fuel system, you got to pull all the exhaust and the torque tube, right? Am I wrong, guys? Do you got to pull the torque tube when it comes to the tank? So if I am pulling the torque tube, pulling the exhaust to pull the tank, why not do the clutch at the same time? How much is a clutch? It's not cheap. Um, get obsessed garage to help you organize. I'm not getting anyone to do anything. Uh, I'm going to, I'll figure it out because then I owe them something. YouTube money. Where's your McLaren? Exactly. Alex, uh, can I put a glass back on my 2000 Cougar? <laughs> V8 Mercury Cougar tried to get me to say something else. He also grabs it like he's talking to it. His colleague probably clowned him. Exactly. You got to be willing to fight people to protect your product, to be a sponsor. Right. Like it's like, um, it's like, uh, what do you call it? Um, fight club. <laughs> DNA is crazy. Like I, I don't know that DNA high performance necessarily. Actually, I got, I got. Let's go to let's go to DNA high performance Instagram page because I need to know why he punched dude. What is this? Mo says F one fifty charging a Hummer on the side of the road. Oh my god! Stop. Oh please stop. Is this for real? Let me go to let me let let's go to the Instagram page so I don't so I don't give up sources. Okay, so Mo sent me this on Instagram. It's a F-150 charging a Hummer. Oh, yes, 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 V-8. Then he does a burnout like a dumbass. What a dumbass. Yeah, V-8. What a dumbass. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I hate people. But I get it. The, the Hummer, you know, ran out of battery and it sucks. So what do you want me to do? I just hope that guy never runs out of gas, like ever. Um, oh my God, he woke up from a slumber from making moon over my hammy all night. Waking up, saying hello when the show is pretty much over. The Bucephalus Builder himself. Truly out there racing. No, good morning, it's 10.52. He said good morning. Fuck. Could you imagine not get? <laughs> could you imagine waking up past nine? Like you are the most unproductive son of a bitch on the planet. I went to see a movie. I worked on the GT500. I did a whole bunch of stuff yesterday and I got up at seven this morning, took the dogs out, got some coffee, made some pancakes, got ready for the show, made a show from nine to 11, 930 to 11 productive. Then I'm going to go work on the Mustang. Turuviate is just getting the crust out of his eyes. Oh, what's going on, man? You know, I had a tough time last night. Some guy came in and he started saying, hey, I want my eggs over easy. And I'm like, I only know one way to make eggs. And it's scrambled. Breathe down my back. Doesn't he know that I don't take shit from anyone? It says number two on my neck. We should allow politicians to actually fight over their views. Up late, hustling all night, huh, Turvy? Turvy, how's the new job going? Good morning from SoCal. Steven Contreras. Made it in late, baby duty, dropping a like, and I'll watch later. Look, you got a baby. That's you got many, you got many years, many, many years of problems. Um, so yeah, working on my own cars, I think, has allowed me a new first of all, nothing is better than getting in shape and then working on your cars. Because when you're not in shape, meaning I go to the gym five times a week. I'm sorry, I go at 5 a.m. every morning. 5 30. And when you work on your cars, you're not as sore. 
you're able to contort yourself. Like I had to literally take this seat out of the GT500, lay on my back, looking up with an impact, taking bolts out and wrenchings and weird. And then you get out, you go, okay, you're not sore. Your joints don't hurt. So it is satisfying. Now it also allows you to use the floor as a hinging point. Like a lot of people were like, how is he going to get the T56 up there? And you saw that I bench pressed it up there. If you've ever picked up a T56 Magnum XL, not a Magnum, a Magnum XL, extra long because of the tail shaft, go ahead and try just to lift that up. So imagine being on the ground and people said, oh, that's difficult. Not really. When you're on the ground, you're pushing against the ground and you're basically pivoting it on your chest and then you bench press it up once. And if you cannot bench press 200 pounds as a 200 pound adult, you got many, many problems. I was able to get it up there, slip it in. And I thought to myself, that's pretty satisfying to be able to hulk up a transmission like that, test fit it. Because in my opinion, if you're going to work on cars, you got to be in shape. You can't be this big fat load and think you're going to work on cars for a very long time. You got to get in the gym, get in shape, get your, get your muscle up in order to work on cars on the ground. If you're just a guy that's, if you think you're getting in shape working on cars, you got it twisted. You're not getting in shape. You're just basically wrenching and your joints are wearing out. I'm saying literally squat, bench, the, the, the whole thing to get in shape to work on cars. I, I think that's a better way of going about it. And you appreciate the work that you do more and you don't feel the sore after you're done working on the car. 753 in Portland right now. You also went to eight, you also went to bed at 838, huh? 835? No. I went to bed at 11:30 last night. Trevor, you related to the guy who Godzilla swapped his boss, probably. That's right, buddy. I'm a cop. South Park. Alex, you just a piece. I'm not a piece. T56 Magnum XL bench press pers, bench press personal. It's three plates, 315, 305. What is it? 315? 305? Three plates twice. I did it at Lund Racing with a bunch of people around just so that there was uh um an actual uh, witness and, um, I'm 45 years old. So 45 years old. That's not a sneeze at regardless of the, yes, I'm in shape for a 45. I, I don't think I'm in shape for a 45 year old. I think I'm in better shape than most 20 something year olds. It's just that I clean living like guys, I don't smoke. I've never smoked in my life. I've never drank anything in my life. I've never done any alcohol. I've never had any bad habits. So I knew my dad at 45 years old looked like he was a wore out motherfucker. Like he was done. And I thought to myself, I never want to look like that. I All my uncles except Renee. Uncle Renee was legit. He's still in shape to this day. He's just really old. I never wanted to be out of shape. So when I got to the gym, I took it serious. And just until about a year ago, I was being able to lift heavy, but I didn't look like I worked out. So that's when the diet came into play. And I just can't just slam burgers and dumb shit. I said, let's tighten up the diet. So the diet is now just regular ass shit, rice, chicken, orange juice, maybe a soda once in a while. And that's it. I, I don't really do anything crazy. Test fitting was smart. Yes. Monty 540, because I didn't want to get under the car and not have the splines line up. You have your clutch alignment tool and that's good, but you got to shove the transmission in there in case the input shaft has a different taper that makes it a little more difficult to line everything up. So once I said, let me just line this up off you know, off the chassis and it slipped right in. I knew that under the car was going to be no problem. Watching the shows while doing the cardio is how I start my Sundays. You see the video of the Indonesian powerlifter that broke his neck doing a squat. Never. I'll never watch that. If you think you'll get into shape working on cars, you're not working on cars. Exactly, bro. You made that XL look like you were installing a T5. It is light to me. And again, I am not bragging that I'm this badass motherfucker, but I can deadlift over 475, close to 500 pounds if I tried, but I don't like deadlifting. I think deadlifting 
causes more issues. But front squatting, like try front squatting 225 pounds. That that separates men, men from boys because the weight is in front of you. And I, I've done that a lot based on the chiropractic guy that says you got to do this, you got to do that to tighten up these muscles. I've done a lot of weird functional exercise to strengthen my back muscles that the chiropractor has suggested because he was an ex-NFL punter and then he became a physical therapist for baseball teams, the Orioles, the Nationals, this and this and that. And uh, I, I said, look, I, I want to be fit and I want to be able to not have back pain all the time. And he gave me functional exercises to try. And while you guys might go to the gym and go, that guy's doing gay exercises, I'm doing functional stuff, front squats, kettlebell squats, um, zerker squats, uh, basically single leg, kind of like a front thing with like 40 pounds in the front, but, and then walking lunge, like lunges, it, it's all functional. Um, Alex had to assert dominance at Lund racing. Oh, look, look, if anyone wants to get like junior, junior's the closest one, but I'm going to tell junior this. If I really get after it, I can outlift him in anything. And I love Junior. I think Junior's a great man, an awesome guy. I love him. If I want to, I can outlift him in anything. Squatting, deadlifting, and bench pressing. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to get hurt. When I pull something, I am hurt for months. And I, I've hurt my back way too many times to try to do a powerlifting meet against Junior. But Junior's a big dude, so he's got an advantage over me. And he's younger. But I think I can outlift everybody there. I smoke and drink, still kill it at the gym, and I stay in DILF mode. Good for you, Mango Brain. <laughs> 45, get a colonoscopy. Now, there's got to be surgery that, like, looks through my body. There's got to be, like, imaging stuff that looks, nothing's going up my ass. I'll die of a polyp. Fuck it. Saw Ted Nugent last weekend, 75 years old, doesn't, sm doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, or dr he looks good for 75. Working on my own car taught me how dumb I actually am. Humbling experience, really. Now I research tons before doing anything. Also dropped some weight so I could fit under it easier. Good for you. Front squats are hell. Front squats are hell. Uh, four or five squat last week at 175. Oh, bro, that's legit. You squatted 405 at 170 body weight. Billy badass, but be careful. That back won't like it long term. Um, where's the likes, people? You are the only. You're you're the you are on the money on your lifting. Yeah, I like the I, I like the um functional stuff so that I, it could be long lasting. And I think it helps out when you work on your own stuff. All right, guys, today I'm going to work on the cars again. That's right. I'm going to go out there, and I'm basically making a video of t tidying up the loose ends on the GT500. I've gotten uh, the pedals in. I've gotten the um, reservoir in. I still have to find a line. So I ordered a line from Late Model Performance or Late Model Restoration, LMR. So that line will be in Wednesday or Thursday. So do get a video next week sometime of maybe an update of the pedal install. Put the cold air in. Put the oil in. I ordered a shifter, and... Senior gets back from Indiana next week, and he's going to try to get me a PST drive shaft from Clearwater, Florida. That's 40 and a half inches, U-joint um, uh, to U-joint. And if I can get the drive shaft and everything in, I might be able to start this car next week sometime. I could probably start it now, but I don't know if transmission fluid is just going to start flying all over the place without a shifter installed. So I want to be careful on doing that, and I want to make sure that everything is tidied up. And if I do start it, I want to start it with the exhaust in place. I don't want to start it open header, do dumb shit, and then have to get under it again and put all that stuff together. So I'm going to try to do all that next weekend. And if I get froggy, I'll give you zero one content today or tomorrow. And maybe the Fox body clutch will get taken apart to see what actually smoked underneath the car. All right, guys, I'm out of here. I'll see you guys on Tuesday for talking shit Tuesday, 8 30, 8 
8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll talk some shit. We'll see what happens with Mr. Calvo. I'll be looking out for his podcast. If he talks about precision stuff, I'll be interested to see that. And then whatever pops up over the weekend, we'll talk over on Tuesday. Have a good rest of your Sunday. Get out there. Do shit. Get out of the house. Don't be like Turvy and wake up at 10 p.m. and saying good morning. All right, guys. I'm out of here. Oh, sorry. 10 a.m. and say good morning. All right, guys. I'm out of here. See you guys later. Bye.